This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Through Project Up, Comcast is working to help build a future of unlimited possibilities. From connecting people to the internet to opening doors for the next generation of innovators, entrepreneurs, and storytellers, they are helping to create a future that benefits generations to come. Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach tens of millions of people with the skills, resources, and opportunities they need to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Sky Sports journalist and presenter Damesh Chef. Damesh, how are you? I'm very well. Looking forward to the World Cup now. <laughs> Only a few days away. Well, lovely yeah. to have you back on. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking about Tottenham and the January transfer window, which is just around the corner. Now, Tottenham are currently sat in the top four. Uh, going into the World Cup break. We've played 15 with one nine, drawn two, lost four, have 29 points, only three points away from Manchester City, champions, of course. Uh, they have a game in hand. Spurs are in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um, unfortunately, we were knocked out of the Carabao Cup by Nottingham Forest and we've got the FA Cup to come. What have you made of Tottenham's season so far? Yeah, there's lots of negativity surrounding Tottenham when, when um, pundits speak about them and... What you've just mentioned there, I think there's reasons to be positive. If yeah. if you'd started the season and someone had offered you, I know it's that age-old question, isn't it? If at the start of the season, and I know things happen during the season, but if you'd been offered before the World Cup break a guaranteed spot in the last 16 of the Champions League, um, a top four place going into the break in the Premier League, I suppose the, the one downside is is the, the League Cup. And I know it gets a lot of criticism and I know teams make a lot of changes for that competition. But 
I just think for Tottenham, sometimes it's slightly different in that competition and it's a big opportunity to, to win a trophy for them. It's, I know it's that age-old question about when are Tottenham going to win a trophy, but the years are totting up, aren't they? It's going to be 15 years next year if they don't win anything without one. And it's 2008 when they won that League Cup. So I, I, some of the Spurs fans that I have spoken to, even though, you know, often not absolutely 100% pleased about how they've been playing. When they look at it in black and white and the stats, they're like pretty happy. But I think one of the, the downsides was that League Cup exit of all of all the things, even though they've made the last 16 in the Champions League and in the top four of the Prem. Dimash, I'm, I'm completely positive on the fact that, um, you know, as you know, me as a Spurs fan, if, if, if you'd have said to me, would you take top four in, in the last 16 of the Champions League before going into World Cup break, I'd have uh, bitten your hand off with it. Um, but I, I completely agree with the Carabao Cup defeat against Nottingham Forest. It was very, very disappointing. Do you think that that was probably Tottenham's most realistic chance of a trophy this season? Uh, I mean, it was up there. Um Considering the League Cup is as a tournament that some of the teams rotate their their squads in, but Tottenham are one of those teams as well because they are in the biggest competitions just now. So if one of them is going to fall by the wayside, and so that they can progress in the other competitions, then the League Cup was always going to be the one. Still in the FA Cup, of course, that will resume in January, but. Yeah, I just, I just think it, it might have been an opportunity, and um, I'm not, I can't actually remember who Nottingham Forest have got in in the next round because you know Tottenham fans will sometimes look at that and think, oh, we could have got them. Liverpool are playing City in the next round. Chelsea and Arsenal have been eliminated as well. I just wonder. I mean, it's probably be a question for you, you being a Tottenham fan, whether some of the negativity, the perceived negativity, negativity, has been associated with the fact that. It's Arsenal who are at the top of the league. I know you don't want to hear the A word, but they are. And they've, they've, they've got 37 points after, what, 14 games. So I, I just wonder whether some of the perceived negativity has been associated with that, even though when you stand alone, what Tottenham have done so far this season is actually, you could call it progress, couldn't you? I think a lot of Spurs fans feel at the moment that Arsenal will fade away at some point. Do you agree? I'm not sure, you know. I'm not sure. I think the World Cup break is going to be important. I think the January transfer window for Arsenal is going to be important because if a couple of long-term targets that they're interested in become available in January and maybe they have to pay a little bit over the odds for them, whereas before they might not have taken that plunge, I just wonder whether they would this time because this is not. we're not talking about three or four games gone in the season and, you know, you're looking at a, a very um, embryonic Premier League table. This is 14 games. We're over a third of the way through the season. Arsenal are five points clear. So by definition, you would have to say that they are title challengers. I, I think they are. Do I think they'll win the league? It's going to be very, very difficult. I think everybody just assumes that Manchester City will win the league. But... You know, they've thrown in a couple of results this season that have been completely unexpected. Liverpool away, well, I mean, Liverpool weren't in great form, but, you know, you can almost accept that that sometimes can happen. Brentford at home, nobody saw Manchester City losing that game. And then even the Newcastle United away. I know Newcastle United have done really, really well since, 
But at the time, you know, they weren't winning that many games. And, you know, there were 3-1 down City in that game. They did come back to draw 3-all. But I think a lot of teams, even though they're so formidable, Manchester City, have seen, you know, that there are cracks there that maybe teams can exploit. So you don't want to hear it, I know, but this is a Tottenham podcast, remember. So uh, I think they're title challengers. I, th- I think they are, Arsenal. Sorry. Dominic. Dian Kulisewski came out and said on Instagram the other day that the uh, the best is yet to come from Spurs. And, uh, you know, me uh, and my honest opinion, so far this season, I don't think that Spurs have got out first gear. Um, but as I said there, we're only three points away from second place Manchester City champions of the Premier League. Yeah. Um, it's a good it's a good place to be when we haven't played that well. Yeah, I completely agree. This is why I don't think it should be looked at too negatively. And when you look at... You know, one of one of the best signings in a January transfer window was Kulisevsky and and of course Benton Core as well. And Kulisevsky's yeah. missed a big chunk of this season, and he's so important to how Tottenham play. And coupled alongside the form of Son, which I don't think many Tottenham fans would have expected. I know he scored that hat trick against Leicester, and everyone thought he was back. And he yeah. continually gets picked. I understand why why that happens, but. I mean, he's not performing as he has done in previous seasons. So you'd expect him, and I think Tottenham fans will hope that his form will turn uh, for the better come the second half of the season. And if Kulisewski can stay fit as well, Benton Core can stay fit as well. I don't see any reason why Tottenham can't look forward to a, to a positive second half of the season and a positive season on the whole. What What do you make of um, the World Cup break being now? It must be strange for you as a journalist to, to be reporting now on the World Cup rather than... The yeah. Premier League, you know, the, the Premier League being broken up. It is. This is this unique, uh, absolutely unique for everybody, isn't it? For the players, for the fans, everyone. I mean, I think the one thing we're going to miss more than anything is we can't really be watching the matches outside, can we? It's going to be too cold to be watching yeah. those games. So that's a that's a bit of a blow. But look, it, I, I am looking forward to it. And, and it's just kind of just like crept up. And normally you have the end of the season and it's like, you know, a four-week break where the teams and the squads get together and they play. Here, look, they've hardly had any... Some teams are not even having any warm-up games. I mean, England are, are a team that are not playing before their World Cup opener on Monday. So, you know, the Premier League season finishes on a Sunday. Eight days later, and England are going to be playing their first World Cup game. I mean, it's great. It's going to be amazing because it's going to be football on every day, which we, which we love. But it is going to be kind of strange as well, having a World Cup at this at this time of the season. I, I'll be interested to hear, I know that the managers have got lots of opinions about whether the World Cup should have been happening in Qatar. Take away all of those issues just at the time of the season as well. Mm-hmm. And the impact it's going to have on the second half of the season, the impact it's going to have on a January transfer window, but also the impact it's going to have on next season as well. Because even though they'll have that summer to recover, they'll have played a lot of football. I, I just wonder how they're going to manage the, the workload uh, on pre-season, especially. We'll come on to talk about transfers later on, but um, do you expect more transfer activity after the World Cup this year than normal? Uh, again, uh, look, normally you don't expect January to be too busy a window. I think this one partly will be dictated by how the players come back and if they're injured or how tired they are and whether, um, 
you know, managers and, and recruitment staff will be thinking we need to we need to do something in January. And it'll also depend on the position some of these teams are in, because there are teams that are fighting for top four place. I mean, I speak to lots of Newcastle fans and at the start yeah. of the season, they weren't thinking about top four. Not at all. They were just saying, look, it would be great if we can, you know, we're doing this organically top half finish. We can consistently do that for a season. Then maybe we can challenge for a Europa League place, then Champions League, and then in the long term, a title tilt as well. And suddenly, the way they've performed, they've lost one Premier League game all season. And some would say that was very unlucky as well in, in stoppage time at Anfield when they when they took the lead and, and played very, very well. So they could actually have gone into this break unbeaten, but they've started to show a real steal uh, defensively, and they're scoring goals all the time. And, you know, you look at someone like Eddie Howe and the way he's turned around the, the form of some of those players like Joe Linton and uh, Miguel Almiron were, you know, were almost a laughing stock uh, in the last season or two. And now they're so crucial to everything that Newcastle are trying to do. And I just wonder whether Newcastle, teams like Newcastle, and I mentioned the, the factor with Arsenal, whether they'll look at January and think, you know what? This is a unique opportunity we've got here. Let's try and bring in some players because, you know, we're in a position that maybe we didn't think we would be, but now we are. Let's take advantage of it and, and um, reinforce the squad. So, you know, clubs could be thinking like that. And then, you know, you've got the, the clubs who are at the wrong end of the table who will be needing to bring in reinforcements for different reasons to make sure that they stay in the league as well. So it's going to be very, it's going to be an interesting transfer window, actually, because I'm not actually sure what to expect just now, because the added factor is like the, the value that you get in January is normally much more difficult than you do in the summer, because it's almost perceived to be a desperate transfer window, because why are teams trying to reinforce in the middle of a season, number one, hence the prices go up. But the added factor is, is that if clubs go for players who have performed well in the World Cup, that then adds another premium. And if you think about it, when Premier League uh, clubs go in for players from abroad, the price automatically goes up. That's number one. Add another premium because it's a January transfer window because there's a smell of desperation about it. So they'll add money onto that. And number three, the performance of a player in the World Cup will add even more money to prices so I think clubs will start looking at that in a way as well and I think recruitment staff are quite sensible in the sense of they like to look at long-term targets now they usually are available in the summer but if some were to become available in January then it's a decision they'll have to make whether they'll be willing to pay that extra money to bring those players in We'll talk about the uh, the window shortly. Um, first of all, I wanted to uh, ask your opinion about Antonio Conte. Of course, he's now been at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club for just over a year. Um, mm. How would you describe his first 12 months at the club? Successful. Um, not surprised. Um, he's a winner. He's... Um, I, the, the thing with Conte as well is wherever he goes he will always win something, which is, will be music to the ears of Tottenham fans because I can't see him thinking about leaving until he does win something at Tottenham because that's what he feels he'll be judged on. So I know there's all this talk. I know you're probably going to ask me the next question. You know, he's, he's got 
until the summer his contract runs out will he be staying on beyond that um beyond the summer i think that's going to be up to tottenham because conte is a demanding person and if Thomas, sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Do you think at this moment in time, hmm. do you think Antonio Conte knows whether he's going to be there next season or not? Good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it's a very good question. I, 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 I just don't know because you've got at least one, maybe two transfer windows. And that is effectively going to dictate what happens with Conte. If he gets the players that he wants, if he gets the backing that he wants, that he requires. And, you know, depends on where Tottenham will end up at the end of the season. Because he look, he, he wants to win trophies, but he wants to win the big trophies as well. And he wants to prove himself in the Champions League because his Champions League record as a manager is not fantastic. So I think it was really important for Tottenham to get to the last 16 of the tournament. And it was, I mean... I went to the Eintracht Frankfurt game and that kind of epitomised the whole campaign for for Tottenham. It was, yeah, it looks like they're going to get through. And, and yet there was still that nervousness, even though Frankfurt, I think, had gone down to, to 10 players by then and they still managed to pull it back to 3-2 and there was like a, a real nervousness around the stadium. So they got through and... and what a performance in the second half in particular. I know you've heard that quite a lot uh, in Marseille to, to qualify for the last 16. So I think he will want to go deep into that competition to show, look, I can do it in, in the elite competition in European football. So I think he's still, even though Tottenham have stuff to prove to him and to, to make sure that they back him, I think he feels probably that he's got something to prove as well, which is a, it's a great sign for Tottenham. And he'll want to win something there. Damesh, from what I understand, he, he is out of contract on the 30th of June, 2022. But there is an option to extend for one more year. Uh, sorry, 2023. Oh, um, sorry, 2023. So there is an option to then extend for a further year. Who makes that decision? Is it... Can, I, I can, can Tottenham, I, can Tottenham at any stage say, yes, we're going to trigger it now. You're going to be in now till 2024. Is, is that the way it's working? Listen, I, I'm not privy to the exact uh, terms of that contract. What I would suspect is, you know, you hear contracts with players where they've got a four-year contract plus a club option for a further year. I would think with a manager, it would probably be a mutual option. So both parties would have to agree that they would want to extend and trigger that option. That is what I would suspect it would be. Yeah. I, I, I can't... It, I mean, if it was just a club option, I'm sure that they'd be falling over themselves just to trigger it now. So I would think it would be a mutual option between Antonio Conte and Tottenham. And you know what? That, that's going to depend on what Tottenham do on the pitch and what Tottenham do off the pitch. Because, look... <laughs> It's very difficult to talk about this topic because I know Tottenham fans are, are constantly like, well, the Tottenham fans I know are constantly like, why is everyone always talking about it when it's Tottenham? Like, you know, when a manager would stay or, you know, when it comes to Harry Kane and all of those kind of topics. But the fact of the matter is Antonio Conte has got history. That's only what I'm basing it on. And 
you know, he's gone to a club like Inter Milan and he's won the title with them, but realised that he wasn't going to get the backing that he wanted and he walked. And and he will do, he, he is capable of doing exactly that. Now, the one thing that I would say about this is going back to, it all feeds into how, you know, Tottenham are perceived to, to play and the negativity sometimes that's surrounding the club. Now, Someone will say to me, you know, how do you think Tottenham play? And, you know, I always hear, you know, it's it's negative. It's not good to watch. To be honest with you, I, I've seen Tottenham play on a number of occasions. And sometimes, you know, particularly in the first half when they haven't performed that well, it hasn't been great. But when they've come back and they've played well in the second half, the football has been really good. That's my yeah. opinion. That's my opinion. Right. So I don't think you can just like label it as right. This is how Tottenham play and it's not great. But I think from the outset, because Tottenham went after Conte, they effectively said that the results is the primary focus. I'm not saying it wasn't before, but did they in their own mind think we may be able to forego some of the, the things that are associated with Tottenham with regard to a style of play and an identity because we're bringing in a winner like Antonio Conte. It was probably the same thinking they had when they brought in Jose Mourinho. And Conte, you could say almost it's, it's on a similar ilk. The only danger with something like that is, say Conte was to walk or Conte left Tottenham Hotspur, what has he left? Now, is it as easy for the next manager to come in to pick up and just pick up where Conte has left. I don't know. I don't know. But from what I've seen when I watch Tottenham, you know, they get criticised quite a lot. Oh, it's not a, a brand of football that's great to watch. Whenever I've seen them and I've seen them win and Kulusevsky's playing and Son's on form and Kane's playing well, very difficult to to argue that it's not good football. My opinion. I, I don't think you can replace Antonio Conte's energy. You know, on the sidelines, he is so animated. He, he's a fantastic manager. And for me personally, I think that he has taken the club in the right direction in the last 12 months. Of course, we were playing the Europa Conference League. We're now playing the Champions League. We're in the yeah. top four at this stage of the season. He has definitely progressed this club. Um, the question I wanted to ask you about Conte's contract is... How do the football club approach this January transfer window? Do they fully back him um, going yeah. into it, knowing that um, Antonio Conte could walk away on the 30th of June 2023? How, how, how do you think that that will... But then if, if they are desperate to keep him, then they'd have to back him in January. Because if they didn't, then he will walk, right? So they've got to take that chance right let's back him in january because this is the best chance that tottenham have of how number one of having a good season and number two to come to to ensure that antonio conte stays there's nothing to say at the moment that antonio conte is going to walk away after the end of this uh when his contract expires on june the 30th there's nothing to say right now that he's going to do that it's, it's quite unusual though Darmesh, isn't it that the, the, the fact that a manager um is out of contract in just over six months time and, and if you were a player um, you know, just about to sign for Spurs and you're the player saying, well, yeah. to the manager, well, how long are you going to be here for? Mm. Well, that's unknown. Yeah, there is that. There is that. But then 
all of the noises that Conte has made publicly would suggest that he is there, that he is going to be there because it's not just about, he's not just talking about, you know, results and possibility of winning a trophy and the recruitment aspect. He started to talk about, you know, the squad and how, how like, you know, he's involved and he's just really into it all now. And almost like he's talking like Tottenham is his home type thing, you know? So there are other elements that you've got to consider aside of just the recruitment and the potential of winning trophies, even though those two aspects for me are going to be the deciding factor. But if there are compromises that he can make in the recruitment and whether they win a trophy or wherever they finish in the league, I think that he is starting to feel really at home and at one with the fans and the players at Tottenham. You, 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 you talked about the, um, the, how animated he is on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, he has the, the fan base is behind him, right? Yeah. And he, he's always like connecting with the fans as much as he can, because he feels it's not like an act, like, you know, I need to show them that, that that's him. And when he gets involved in a job, he is in there 100% while he's there. So Tottenham have brought, have got themselves a world-class manager. Now, world-class managers will stay at clubs if everything is in place and the demands that they have recruitment-wise and, and performance-wise are met. That's not secret. That, you could say that for any manager, couldn't you? Yeah. Are, are, you, are you trying to assure me that he's staying and you're, you're being positive about it? I, I mean, look, for everything I've seen so far, all the noises I'm hearing so far and everything I see Conte say, it doesn't sound like a man who is thinking in on July the 1st, I'm not going to be the Tottenham manager. That's what yeah. it looks like to me. That's what it looks like to me. When do you think that that decision will be made by him? That's something that only Antonio Conte will will decide. He, he could make it at the end of the transfer window. He could make it tomorrow. He could make it on June the 30th. Yeah. You, you just don't know. But, you know, if Tottenham back him and give him what he wants, because Tottenham made a huge play to bring him in. They didn't get him. And then Nuno Espirito Santo came in and then they went back in again. It was obvious he was the first. They, this is the guy that they wanted. They tried that hard to get him. I think they'll try as hard to keep him. Damesh, do you have any news on um, a new contract for Harry Kane? Because, of course, he's out of contract at Spurs in the summer of 2024. No, no news at the moment. I, I think um, Kane is, himself will probably be pretty relaxed with his situation. There's still, what, uh, 18 months left on his current deal. I just think it could go hand in hand with what happens with Conte as well. If you go back, if I've got the chronology right, if you go back to 2018, the summer of 2018, that's when he signed that long-term contract with Tottenham. And I'm sure part of his thinking when he signed that contract was this club is going places. They are challenging for trophies. I think, you know, 
under Pochettino, they'd come close to winning the title. You know, they'd gone and got into the Champions League regularly. So he probably saw, right, this club is the club for me because we are going to challenge and we've got a manager in Mauricio Pochettino who they look like is going to be there for the long term. Then what transpires, Tottenham get to the Champions League final. They lose the Champions League final. Now, instead of that being the platform to take the club forward, it felt like that that was the end of a chapter. And then within a few months, you see Mauricio Pochettino being sacked. So around 17 months between Harry Kane signing the contract and thinking he's going to be playing the majority of his career under Mauricio Pochettino, you know, 17 months later, the player, the, the, the manager who he signed that contract under has left. And then what happens? Jose Mourinho comes in and the club's given a shot on the arm again. And Kane is like, right, we've got a world-class manager in here. Then he goes. Ryan Mason comes in on a, in an interim basis. He goes. And then Nuno Espirito Santo comes in. So from it being what looked like a really stable future for Harry Kane on the pitch and who would be playing under, turned into completely the opposite. So I think yeah. this time, what he might be thinking is, I've got no rush to sign this contract because it's 2024 when it expires. Let me see, first of all, what's going to happen with the manager. My next birthday, I'm going to be 30. So the next contract I sign is going to be the last big contract of my career. The last really significant big contract of his career when he's playing at his pomp. So he'll have decisions to make. But I think a lot of those decisions will be dictated by what happens on the pitch this season, what happens off the pitch, the recruitment, rather like what Antonio Conte will be thinking as well, I'm sure. It is incredible, Darmesh, though, isn't it? The, the fact that Harry Kane has been at the club so long. Hugo Lloris, Eric Dyer, Hunmin Son, all these players have been there for years, not won trophies. Mm. It's unbelievable. Um, let's talk yeah. about, um, you were last on this channel um, talking about transfers in the summer. Now, of course, Tottenham made eight summer signings. Richarlison, uh, 10 Premier League appearances this season, five starts, zero goals, four appearances in the Champions League, two goals. Lengley, who, of course, is on loan, eight Premier League uh, appearances, seven starts, five in the Champions League, one goal. Perisic, 15 Premier League appearances, nine starts, five in the Champions League, uh, one in the League Cup. Spence, only three Premier League appearances, very, very minimal minutes, all from the sub-bench. Forster, the goalkeeper, only one League Cup appearance. Uh, Saar, zero appearances so far in the Premier League. Basuma, 14 Premier League appearances, only six starts. Uh, and Udogi, of course, is out on loan. Um, how would you um, sum up Tottenham's summer business and those players so far this season? I think overall, it's it was a, a reasonably successful transfer window considering the players that came in to the club. The Jet Spence one is a is a bizarre one for me because I, I really thought that he would be a regular starter for Tottenham, but I'm not on the training ground every day. So I don't see what's going on at Emerson Royal and, and Matt Doherty. They may be performing better than Jet Spence in training. And Antonio Conte may think, look, these are the players that I want to go with over Jet Spence. I, I mean, I don't know what you think, but is that the talk around 
amongst Tottenham fans? Is it a, a feeling of why Big is Jenkins not starting? Big time, big time. Um, I think it's a huge talking point at the moment. Um, Emerson Royale is getting a lot of stick at the moment mm. from the Tottenham Hotspur fans. Um, and, you know, one uh, such a big cheer um, against Leeds when Emerson Royale came off. Mm. Um, it, it, it wasn't very nice for the player. Um, Antonio Conte keeps um, putting Emerson Royale in the team. A lot of fans don't understand it. For me personally, I think that Matt Doherty is a better right wing back, but I think that Antonio Conte probably sees Emerson Royale as a better de defender defensively. Um, but Jed Spence, so many fans are crying out to see more of Jed Spence. He had a cameo in the League Cup game where, of course, we uh, lost to Nottingham Forest, uh, where he played uh, fairly well. A lot of fans are not understanding it. Some people put it down uh, to poor attitude. Have you heard anything of the kind? No, I've not heard anything on that. That's why I said I'm, I'm pretty surprised that he hasn't got the opportunities that maybe we thought he was going to get when he signed because it was quite a long drawn out transfer. And I think yeah. Tottenham fans were, you know, there were a lot of exciting transfers, but they were really excited about Jed Spence, particularly how he performed for Nottingham Forest on loan the previous season. So I think they were looking forward to seeing uh, Jed Spence performing and, and it just hasn't materialised for him. So overall, though, if you if you look at where Tottenham are at the moment, and you've seen a lot of these players who they've signed play regularly, by definition, the transfer window has been relatively successful because they find themselves in the top four, as you mentioned before. They find themselves in the last 16 of the Champions League as well. Maybe the, the Jed Spence one, I think it probably got even more noise when someone like Dejan uh, Kulisevsky, who was, would have been playing like on the right side ahead, of, of the right wing back was playing so well. And when he was missing, maybe then Spurs thought, right, you know, the, the creativity has been been lacking with without Kulisevsky. Why are we not now playing someone like Jed Spence? Surely that would be the opportunity for him to come in. But look, I'm not the manager. He knows best. He sees them every day in training. So, but I have to say, I even I'm surprised that he hasn't been given those opportunities just yet. Thomas, there's lots of talk at the moment about um, Emerson Royale being a target for Juventus. Any truth in that? You've just thrown that one at me. Um, at the moment, it's look with regard to transfers, we're still like the, the thick end of two months away from the window opening, a World Cup to go through as well. It's All the contacts that I speak to at the moment are relatively quiet. This is one that I've read as you've read as well. So, you know what? Sometimes... I mean, if Spurs fans don't feel it's working with Emerson Royal, he can go to a, a, a league that's abroad that might be more suited to, to the way mm. he plays. I don't know. So then, you know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes that, that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, well, of course, the January transfer window um, isn't far away. Um, last January transfer window, Spurs signed Benson Kerr and Kulisevsky, mm. as you said earlier. Um, now, on that deadline day, uh, back on uh, the 31st of January last year, uh, sorry, earlier this year, um, last year, sorry, um, a lot of fans said, we've just signed two Juventus rejects. Mm -hmm. Now, they turned out to transform our season last year, uh, get us into the Champions League. Um, would you say that that January transfer window is probably the best in recent history for Tottenham? Well, 100%. I mean... I struggle to, to think of 
many other clubs who signed two players who were as success, successful as Bentancourt and Kulusevski. They completely turned around. Well, not turned around, but actually just gave Tottenham that impetus for the second half of the season to deliver Champions League football that Antonio Conte wanted. So it's not surprising that he went for those players. And people will say Juventus rejects. I mean, Juventus up until the last five or six games, they were not having a good season at all. They, they've really picked up of late. But look, they got knocked out of the Champions League. Uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt and Dejan Kulisevsky are still in the Champions League. So, you know what? It's it's easy to say, look, Juventus shouldn't have sold or let those players go. But look, each club has their has their own direction that they want to go in. And Antonio Conte obviously know these two players very, very well. And look at the difference that they've made. It's very important as well, I think, when Conte brought those players in, that they were players that he knew and that they, he knew would completely adapt to what he wanted from them instantly. Hit the ground running. This is exactly what they've done. And if anything, they've got even better and better. I mean, a lot of people talk about Kulusevski, you know, talk about Kane and Son and Richarlison. Every game I see, Bentoncourt is a standout player. I know yeah. you, you're, you're at the games, but the ones yeah. I've watched on TV, I, I always watch them. I think, goodness me, he is so good. How well has he performed? I don't know whether you agree with that, but that's the observations I've made. I think Bentoncourt, what a signing. Absolutely. And I think that Hoybier has been a, a real standout player for Spurs also uh, this season so yeah, far. Yeah, I think he's helped. Yeah. Hoiberg uh, as well. Yeah. To, he's, to, he's, the point, to the point where, you know, I think at the start of the season, in the summer, when you signed Basuma, I think a lot of Tottenham fans immediately thought, right, automatic starter, Eve yeah. Basuma. But it wasn't always the case. I know he, he had injury, he had COVID, etc. at the start of the season, but difficult for him to get back in the team. It's only when he decides to play three three midfielders in there that um, Bissouma gets in. But more often than not, the two first names that are on there are Hoiberg and, and Benton Court. Is there any more Juventus rejects kicking about that we could sign this January? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? You um, should try it, yeah. On a serious note, Darmesh, um, January transfer window, in your opinion, what do Tottenham need? Um. I mean, if you look at the Jed Spence issue, if there is an issue there, then maybe a right back, right wing back, maybe a central defender as well to to fully back up the likes of Eric Dyer and, and Romero. Romero has had injury problems, hasn't he? So maybe, maybe a central defender and... Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Every Tottenham fan that I speak to are just craving for more creativity in the, in the centre of that, of that midfield. So maybe one of those, but I would probably say the other two positions um, probably more priority than the the central midfielder. We could have had Christian Eriksen on a free. <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. happen. No. Um, no, that that's what you think Spurs need. What do you think Antonio Conte wants? 
probably wants something along those lines as well. I think um, it's probably that right that right sided uh, position in in the defence. It just seems to be the one big problem at Tottenham and. You know, a lot of Tottenham fans might say, you know, you can solve it by just playing Jed Spence, but you've got to trust Antonio Conte, right? And if he's not playing him, it must be for a reason. So maybe is it a case of, does he think that Jed Spence needs to get regular football elsewhere? Does he need to do that? I don't know. Because the second half of the season, you know, big games are going to be coming thick and fast all the time. And if he hasn't been given the opportunities in the first half of the season... How likely is it that he's going to say, right, Jed Spence, you're ready to, to play under me? I don't know. Or is he thinking, maybe go on loan for six months and we'll bring in someone more experienced? I don't know. That just seems to be the problem position. And maybe if he can bring in a centre-half as well. Well, we've got Clement Langley on loan. Um, yeah. He's made eight Premier League uh, appearances so far, seven starts, um, five starts in the Champions League, one goal. Um, is there any option to buy him at the end of the season? Do you think that Spurs will pursue that in any way? I think there is an option. If I remember correctly, you've put me on the spot there. I was doing this story about four months ago. I think there might be an option to buy him. Let's see what happens uh, until the end of the season. I think there's often some of these deals, if there is an option, turn into an obligation depending on certain conditions like the number of appearances yeah. that a certain player will make and, you know, performance-related uh, bonuses, etc., which might trigger an obligation to turn... I'm sorry, an option to turn into an obligation. So I don't know the ins and outs fully of that contract. And apologies if I've got that one wrong, but I... This off memory, I, I do recall that the long lay deal did come with an option to buy from Barcelona because Barcelona went in a different direction, didn't they? I mean, no one quite knew what they were doing during yeah. the summer. And, you know, they brought in the likes of um, Jules Koundé and, and Marcos Alonso in, in central defence. So maybe they, they've moved on from long lay already. Damish, going back to uh, Jed Spence. Now, three substitute appearances so far this season, all from the sub bench. Um, you know, zero starts. If, um, like, I think I think the real positive here is because of the World Cup, Antonio Conte will be working a Hotspur way with a number of these players, mm. Jed Spence being one of them. Mm. Um, if Jed Spence doesn't start getting starts in the Premier League under Conte when we return, because our first game back is Brentford, the early kickoff on Boxing Day, 12.30, yeah. um, or early January, can you see Jed Spence going out on loan? Because surely these players... I've got to get game time. And of course, back in the day, you had the reserves where players like Jed Spence could have played, but you don't have that anymore. Potentially. Potentially. Um, and if you look at what um, Antonio Conte's done using the likes of Doherty and Emerson Royal in that position, so it wouldn't be a case of if Jed Spence goes, they'd need to bring in somebody immediately yeah. to, to fill that role. It could be the case. It could be. Um, and I'm sure Jed Spence will want to be in a position where he's playing regular football for the rest mm. of the season. He probably couldn't have envisaged this was going to happen either for the first half of the season. If Tottenham tried that hard to sign him and he didn't get the opportunities, then maybe, you know, get six months of regular football under your belt, be it at another Premier League club, be it abroad, be it, 
maybe in the championship that I think Antonio Conte will probably want if he was to allow him to go on loan to be playing at uh, an equivalent level to show that, that he can do it at that level. So it's a possibility. It is a possibility, I'd have to say, only because of how it's gone so far for him. So if, he, if he's not starting, then it could be a problem. A couple of other players I wanted to ask you about. Um, Pape Matassar, of course, he has had no Premier League minutes uh, so far this season. And Brian Hill, very limited time. Mm. Um, do you see either of them two going out on loan in the January window? I think they were under consideration to do just that in the summer. But I think what Tottenham had done was when certain players were allowed to leave, it was they were out of the squad, the likes of Endombele. Um, yeah. There was no need, uh, Kante didn't need a, a replacement to come in. But the information that I was getting, that if the likes of Brian Keel and um, who's the one that you mentioned, uh, Papai Metasar, if they were uh, allowed to leave, I think Tottenham would have wanted to bring in replacements. Hence why they both remained at the club. And Heel started to get a few, you know, substitute appearances, particularly in the Champions League. And he looked like, you know, he could make a difference, couldn't he? So maybe he's turning um, turning it around under Antonio Conte. But if Conte was to be even more busy in the January transfer window, maybe said, right, Brian Heel and, and Saar maybe are allowed to go, he would want to bring in replacements for those players. I don't think they would leave without anyone else coming in. Damesh, do you have any information on uh, the money available in the January window or... No. Or, or what do you think? What, what do you think is realistic? Difficult to say. That I mean, clubs would never ever release that kind of information, and you know, people can speculate. You know, the 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 whole headline, you know, war chest of, however, million pounds, because it's not in a club's interest to be making it public that this is how much money we've got to spend. Because when they go in for a player. If they've got lots of money, then that selling club is only going to do one thing and try and charge more and more money. It's always a difficult window, as I said to you, January. And Tottenham, they were very clever in January, the last January transfer window, when they did the deals for two players who were out of favour at a club that Conte knew very, very well and players that Conte knew very, very well. So... They, it was a very, very shrewd transfer window that they did there. Barely any outlay or being having to commit any money on, on transfer fees until they knew how they performed. And depending on appearances uh, with regard to Kulisevsky and Benton Court, if they can get a couple of deals like that again in January, it will, I think it will give them the impetus again to, to have a good uh, finish to the season. But having said that, if... There are long-term targets that become available for Tottenham and any other club because the ideal scenario is not to do business in January. All the, all the clubs, they always aim to do their big business in the summer. But if a big player and a long-term target becomes available, even if it means they maybe have to pay over the odds for them, then they'll look at their situation and think it's worth the risk. If you go back to January, you look at Tottenham, buying those two, uh, getting in those two players, they were very close to bringing in Luis Diaz as well. That yeah. deal was agreed and it really nudged Liverpool into action because the information we were getting was that it was an almost a done deal, agreed yeah. in principle with Liverpool for the summer. 
But because Tottenham had come in and Porto was saying, right, we agree with this deal, Liverpool did something that they didn't want to do. It worked out for them, obviously, because they brought in a quality player in the January transfer window, but it forced them into action to bringing in that player. But he was always a long-term target for Liverpool. If he hadn't been, then I don't think they would have done that deal. If you look at what Liverpool did in the summer as well, using them as an example, sorry to, to go away from Tottenham here, but I'm just trying to explain a January yeah. transfer window, is in the summer, just say, for example, that the long-term target is Jude Bellingham for Liverpool. Now, in the summer, they obviously are in the market for a midfielder, but the midfielder that they've pinpointed is Jude Bellingham. Now, Borussia Dortmund, they sold Sancho the summer before last. Then they sold Haaland this summer. And normally they sell one big player per window. That seems to be their model. There was never going to be the case where Haaland and Bellingham went in the same transfer window. So Liverpool looked at it and thought, right, this kid is going to cost upwards of 80, 100 million pounds next summer. Do we want to spend big money on another midfielder that's not a long-term target? They decided not to do that and instead bring in Arthur Mello on loan. Kind of a no-risk deal. I mean, it hasn't worked out because he's been injured for almost the entire time that he's been at Liverpool. And I think you can use that kind of argument in a January window because normally clubs don't want to do the business then and clubs don't want to sell players then. Because if you look at... The, the kind of player that Tottenham, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal and the rest, Newcastle, will be after, there'll be big players that they'll be wanting to sign who will more often than not be playing at big clubs who may or may not be in the Champions League. So in it's not in the interest of a selling club in the middle of a season when they're still fighting for a title, still in Champions League contention, to be selling one of their big players to what would effectively be a rival. They'll wait until the summer. And then the price would actually be more reasonable than when it would be in January. Three factors when it comes to January, this January, because this is a unique one. January, usually you have a premium on price anyway, because clubs smell desperation if, uh, if clubs are trying to buy players. So the price goes up immediately there. The price automatically goes up if a Premier League club is involved in buying a player because it's the Premier League and everyone in Europe knows the Premier League clubs have got lots of money. But also, if a Premier League club goes for a player off the back of a great World Cup performance, then there's a World Cup premium that's going to come into play as well. I remember way, way back, Euro 96, and I think Sir Alex Ferguson talked about this years later, for the one of the first few times he, and last times, he went into the market off the back of Euro 96 and brought Carol Pavorsky and Jordi Cruyff to Manchester United. And he freely admitted after they didn't work out as much as he would have hoped, but it was off the back of their performances in uh, a European Championship in a major tournament. So I think clubs need to just have a look at that as well, because if you're going in for a player that performs out of his skin in a World Cup, immediately the price is going to go really much higher than uh, some clubs are prepared to pay. Damage, I feel that this coming window is so important, as we've already discussed about Conte's stand at Spurs 
And yeah. as it was proved in the last window, Benton Kerr and Kulosevsky, two players literally walking straight into the team, transforming the team, transforming the squad, getting us into the top four, getting us Champions League. Now, we have seen so many reports recently stating that Antonio Conte wants real quality rather than quantity. And as I said earlier, eight players in the summer window. Um, Spurs have to back Antonio Conte this January window with real quality, don't they? Yes, but that's easier said than done because Antonio Conte can say, I want this, this and this. Now, Tottenham need to show that they will do everything they can to get the players that he wants. But it won't be that easy to do because transfers are not easy to do anyway. But they're going to be even more difficult to do in a January transfer window following a World Cup for those reasons that I've explained. And then it's going to come down to Tottenham, the hierarchy and Conte and recruitment to say, right, it is over the odds what we're going to pay, but is that over the odds payment worth it for what we're trying to achieve for the rest of this season? They're the kind of decisions that they're going to have to make, as are other clubs. Because I think, like we've been mentioning before, we've not seen a season like it. We're not going to see a season like this again because the likelihood is that the World Cup will continue to go back to the summer. This is the first time we've seen it in November and December. So it's a complete unique situation. And I don't know whether some clubs know what's going to happen in January just now because of the sheer uniqueness of where this World Cup is placed. So it's going to be very interesting to see because the World Cup is going to play a huge part, I think, in what happens in January. How players come back, how long potential injuries will keep certain players out for and the availability of players in January because it's going to be very, very difficult to do deals full stop in January, but especially off the back of a World Cup. Damesh, any news on uh, a long-term uh, replacement for Hugo Lloris? Because, of course, Hugo Lloris has been at the club uh, for 10 years. Um, his contract ends very soon. Uh, Spurs will need to identify a goalkeeper. Any news on who Tottenham are looking at? Not yet. Not, no immediate rush either, because he signed a contract, I think, takes him until 2024. Yeah. So... Look, the recruitment department, I'm sure, will be looking to strengthen in every single position at all times because they'll be looking at the profile of players, but also the ages of players as well. So Lloris, of course, is, is the wrong end of his career. He's had a long career at Tottenham. He's still France's number one goalkeeper as well. So at the moment, the shirt is his. Now, I hear a lot of criticism pointing towards Hugo Lloris and some Tottenham fans saying maybe the time is now, not even when his contract expires, but the time is now to replace him. But I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's it can be a little bit misplaced, that criticism, because goalkeepers' errors get highlighted more than any other area of the pitch. But on the yeah. whole, I think he's been a great performer for Tottenham. Great shot stopper, yeah. Um Potential transfers. Um, of course, we were linked heavily in the summer with Alessandro Bastoni. Um, any could could Tottenham revisit that deal? Possibly, I mean, he's, he's obviously a player that Antonio Conte likes. It will depend on Inter Milan. He's one of their crown jewels. That's why they refused to sell him. They needed to make some money in the summer transfer window, but they decided that they could have made all the money that they needed to make 
by selling Bastoni, but he was so important that they decided, look, let's try and make it work in other areas because we want to keep him. Look, Antonio Conte knows him very well. He's obviously a huge fan of his. He wanted to sign him in the summer transfer window. And it is a position I think that Tottenham do want to strengthen in. He would fit the bill. It's all going to depend on whether Tottenham have got the money to be able to do a deal like that and whether Inter Milan would be willing to sell. But there's obviously an interest there from Tottenham in Bastoni. Another one that keeps coming up uh, in the last couple of windows, Pau Torres. Yeah, I've not heard anything new on that one. The, the, the one that was the strongest is it, with the information I was getting was always going to be Bastoni. So, like I say to you about long-term targets, you know, will Antonio Conte just be a little bit patient to make sure that he gets the right player and forego like getting maybe someone that's not his top target just to fill that position? He'd like to fill it with, with his number one target. And if Bastoni is that number one target, let's see if he revisits it. Thomas, you mentioned about creative players. Um, mm -hmm. Ruslan Mavonovsky, uh, 29-year-old midfielder, can also play as a forward. Uh, Atalanta He's out of contract at the end of this season. Now, I've read various reports in the last couple of months, even stating that Spurs have already got this deal done. Any interest in any any uh, any truth in that? You, you're really putting me on the spot on these ones. This is I've, I haven't got any information. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm batting these away, but. I would only tell you if I'd, if I'd heard something personally. I haven't heard anything on that one at all, unfortunately. Um, James Madison, do you, do, do, have Tottenham ever been interested in James Madison? You, can you ever see Spurs going in for him? Uh, um, the summer, the, the, the strong link was Newcastle United. I didn't hear too much about Tottenham. I think the season, the summer before James Madison was interesting, Arsenal. The two clubs that I've heard with James Madison in the last two summers have been Arsenal and Newcastle. And Newcastle. You mentioned Arsenal too much on this channel, you know. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> but Newcastle, Newcastle went in with two bids, which both got rejected. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if the interest is still there from Newcastle and whether they go in with um, with another bid, be it January, be it next summer. If I can't recall how long Madison has got left on his contract. But I, I do recall that it's not that long. And whether he's going to sign a new contract at Leicester, that, that's up in the air. So that will have an impact as well. Borussia Mönchengladbach forward, 25-year-old uh, Marcus Turam. Any any uh, truth in that one? You were just like, I think, honestly, you're just throwing these names at me. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, 100%. Or 100% no, I will tell you the truth. I don't know. What What do you think as a journalist when you see on Twitter, um, like these hundreds and thousands of accounts putting all of this news out of all of these players apparently being linked with other players? What What do you What do you make of all of that? It's the way of the world now. Tra transfers is is so, uh, they're so huge now, particularly on social media. Like you hear one whisper and then it gets forwarded on, and then suddenly. It becomes a story and to the point where you're almost thinking, I don't believe this to be true, but there's so much noise about it. Yeah. Let me see if there's any truth in this. And then it just gets flatly denied or there's like, you know, you hear there's absolutely no interest in it at all. Sometimes there is, but 
look, everyone has their own contacts. So I've got a number of people that I speak to that I trust. My colleagues have the same, the colleagues from other organizations who have the same. Not everyone can get every single story. So you you go to the people that you trust, right? And if they have a story that happens to be about Tottenham, brilliant. It's a big story because it's a big club. So I know who I trust and I know who I go to during a transfer window. So hence why, apologies, I can't tell you, you know, the, the names that you're throwing at me. I, well, I don't know. So if there's no proof in it and it, and, and there's no legs in these uh, in, in these deals, then, you know, what can you say? Um, I'm going to throw a few more. I'm not, at saying, you, that. I'm not saying that. I said I, I didn't know that yeah. there are other journalists who might have an in and whoever's put these stories out. It depends. You have to look at who's put these stories out. And if they've got a good reputation and they've broken stories around Tottenham before, then there could be something in it. There, there is literally going to be hundreds and thousands of names, though, from now until the January transfer winners. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, uh, a couple more. Um, Joe Scally, <laughs> uh, Bruce Lee Munch and Gladback right back, 19 years old. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this one up and also um, Antonio Silva of Benfica, centre back, 19 years old. Um, me personally, um, I think that Spurs have done this kind of thing um, a lot in the past where players for the future um, rather than players for now. And I, I just feel that Antonio Conte is a now manager yeah. and he wants ready-made players to walk straight into this team. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, the, the Perisic signing was an Antonio Conte signing down to a team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in his 30s, no real resale value which clubs always look for when, when they sign players. And you've got someone like Richarlison, who's, you argue now at his age, is that is the, the absolute peak of his career. If he was, if he was to see all out, out all his years at Tottenham, what kind of price would he get if Tottenham then went to sell him? So they are buying players that are, you know, at the absolute peak of their careers, which may explain why, Jed Spence hasn't got that opportunity that maybe he feels he wanted when he got to Spurs because Conte has decided, look, this is this is the team that the kind of team that I want to go with. Like Sessignon yeah. has been getting a few chances as well, but you know, Perisic has been getting his fair share of games too, hasn't he? So yeah, you, you could argue, yes, he is that he is a now manager. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. I think there's more to come from Perisic as well. Um, Stefan De Vrij is, a, is another player, centre-back, 30 years old, into Milan. Another player, uh, Darmesh, that we have been linked with in the last couple of windows. Um, any interest, any uh, any truth in that one? Chris, mate, you're killing me here, mate. I, 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 I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about um, let's talk about some sales possibly. Now we've got four players out on loan at the moment: Regulon, Winks, Undombele, Lacelso. Um, sadly, Winks and Lacelso have just had surgery. Um, Undombele, of course, is playing for Napoli on loan. Regulon is playing for um, Atletico Madrid on loan. Um, out of these four players, Darmesh, what is the chances of Spurs actually offloading these players on a permanent deal to their respective clubs that they're currently on loan at? I think if Tottenham had their way, that's exactly what would happen. They do want to do that. Um, Endombele, Lo Celso, Regulon and Winks, they were training on their own in the summer. And yeah. it was made clear that those players were not part of Antonio Conte's plans. And as I mentioned before, those were the players that if 
they were to leave the squad, they weren't necessarily going to need players to replenish the players that left. It was the ones with Heel and Saar, where if they were to go, they were, they were effectively part of that 25-man Premier League squad. So they need to bring in replacements. But they were never in Antonio Conte's squad at all, those four. So it's going to be difficult to... It's all going to depend on how they perform in, on their loan spots. And you mentioned that a couple of injuries there. That's not going to help at all. And, you know, the, the Winks one is the most interesting one for me because, you know, he, he he's grown up at Tottenham. He loves the club. It hasn't worked out for him under Antonio Conte. And does he want to come back to the Premier League is the, is the big question. He would want to, like, get back playing as soon as he can. He was a, you know, he's an England contention once upon a time, wasn't he? Well, I, I feel really sorry for him, actually, because he hasn't played a single minute for Sampdoria. Now he's had surgery. Yeah. Um, where, where does that leave a player like that? Does he does Sampdoria send him back to Spurs and say, well, that's that's the deal done? Because obviously he's now going to be out for you know quite a bit of time. Yeah, it would, that will be discussed between both clubs. But I mean, it's clear that he won't be fitting in to Tottenham's plans under Antonio Conte. But... I'm sure, like when he got the loan move, you know, Sampdoria, you know, big Italian club, great history. It's just so unfortunate what's happened to him. And it's kind of been his luck in the last year or two for, for Harry Winks. But look, things change very, very quickly. If he can recover, if he can uh, get some games for Sampdoria before the end of the season and perform well, then, you know, it's only good for all parties. Sampdoria will think, well, actually, there is something here. We want to sign him. Harry Winks will have opened the, the shop window for any other club that would have seen him perform. And Tottenham either will say, actually, well, let's give him a chance or we can get good money for him now because he is performing well. So if Winks performs well, it's it's good for all parties. But unlucky that he's got injured. It's just, just hope for his sake that he, he recovers in time to be able to play a part this season. Yeah, well, let's hope that we can get some money in for them. Um, we've had a lot of comments uh, coming in, and I was going to mention oh. this one to you anyway. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, he, wa mm. he wants uh, infrastructure, he wants the latest uh, technology, he wants uh, the latest, you know, everything. Tottenham Hotspur have it. What's the chance of us signing Ronaldo? <laughs> uh, no. Your I, face says it all. <laughs> happen in football. I can't see it myself only because the 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 wage structure at Tottenham would have to be completely and utterly obliterated. But um Conte probably likes him. Can, can, can I ask you actually, Damesh? I know this is away from Spurs. Yeah. What 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 have you made of that interview? Is, is, is did he do the right thing or or are you disappointed in him? It's a strange way to go about it because it seems the motivation for the interview is to get his contract ripped up. Now, yeah. I mean, unless there's the biggest U-turn in football, you can't imagine him playing for United again. You can't imagine him even coming back to the yeah. training ground after the World Cup because there's one thing to, to criticise the ownership. And he probably got a lot of fans on side by saying things like that. Oh, there's a player who, current player, who's criticised the ownership who a lot of the United fans have been protesting against the Glazers. And he he made a point of saying that. And he went on to say, you know, 
the club has stagnated since I was last here in the 13 years. Nothing has changed. He's looked at the facilities and all of this kind of thing. And, you know, some fans will say, you know what, he's got a point. But I think he crossed the line when publicly you're criticising your own manager by saying you've got no respect for him. And then saying about young players generally, you know, he didn't name any players, but you know, I was just looking at the likes of, he probably wasn't even talking about Ganacho. He probably wasn't even talking about Ganacho, but I was thinking on the Sunday, Ganacho scores in the third minute of stoppage time, his first Premier League goal. He celebrates both his goals, the one in the Europa League and the one in the Premier League, like Ronaldo celebrates, not the suit, yeah. the, the, the holding the shirt and, you know, the, the, the hands on the chest. He idolises Ronaldo and literally within two hours of him scoring that winning goal, which would have been the best day of his career so far, there's an interview that's being drip-fed about Cristiano Ronaldo and how he's disrespecting United and the manager and how he doesn't think the young players have got any hunger and how they won't have the longevity that he has. Just wonder how much of a sour taste that's left in the in the mouths of the players who, when Ronaldo came to the club, would have just been completely wide-eyed and thought Cristiano Ronaldo is a teammate of mine. I cannot yeah. believe it was happening because they would have idolised him growing up. These kids are like 18, 19 years old. So, you know, 13 years ago, six, seven years old, impressionable kids who are watching football, they're supporting Man United. Their hero is the number seven at Man United. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's, then he leaves the club. He goes on to do what he does. And then he comes back. And by that time, they're at the club with him. Imagine the joy that they would have had when he returned. And then for this episode to happen, it, it didn't need to happen in this way. I don't fully understand why he's done it in this way. I'm sure United won't fully understand why he's done it that way, but the motivation has to be to get that contract terminated. And I'm sure both parties will probably end up doing that ahead of January because as it stands, when in the summer when there was a potential for him to go, United actually, even though it wasn't a big transfer fee, they did pay a little bit of money for him. And some of the deals that were being mooted might have required United to have foregone any kind of transfer fee because the club might have wanted him on loan, whereby United pay a portion of his £500,000 a week wages. And United are thinking, why would we do that? Whereas this time, even though United will not have enjoyed at all the, the manner in which he's done it, it might have given them everyone a way out in that the contract gets terminated, the wages don't get paid up, and everyone parts ways. Damesh, that um, very common question, Messi or Ronaldo, who for you? <laughs> I, I can tell you, you, you haven't liked some of my questions today, have you? <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for the comments. I'm just going <laughs> better not read them today. Um, I can't I, use, for I can't. me, I... I, I, I'm a Ronaldo fan. If I, yeah. if I had to pick between Ronaldo and Messi, I'd, I'd, I'd go Ronaldo, yeah. You can make an argument for both. I, 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 yeah. They're such different players, but so incredible in their own way. I just wonder what 
will be going through Cristiano Ronaldo's mind. Considering what's happened now, the worst thing that can happen to him now is if Argentina win the World Cup. Yeah. If Argentina win the World Cup, Messi will have done something that he hasn't. Yeah. I know he had the Euros on Messi, but then the equivalent Messi has now done because he won Copa America. So now, you know, as much as Cristiano Ronaldo said in that interview, he what did he say? I don't chase records. Records chase me. Make no mistake, he knows, he is well aware of every single record that, that he's breaking, that he is the holder of. And it won't sit well that he's one behind in the Ballon d'Or race with Lionel Messi, that if the World Cup was to go the other way, it would not do, sit well at all. I just think that the fact that Ronaldo's done it in so many leagues and, and the records that the yeah, guy's broken is well, just That's incredible. a great point as well, yeah. And he's scored everywhere, yeah. yeah. Um, right, lastly, Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo, okay. Well, lastly, Darmes, let's talk about the World Cup because, of course, it is only a couple of days away. Um, if you were to put money on a winner, who would you go with? That's a good question. Um, Do you think England have got a chance? I'm getting quarterfinal vibes from England. Okay. I hope I'm wrong, as in yeah. they go further. Um I got a feeling for Argentina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they could do it. Yeah. They could do it. Yeah, you never know. Um, I don't know. I think uh, Brazil, Argentina, um, I just hope that England would do it because uh, I said to you before, um, supporting England is is very much like supporting Spurs. You know, I was at the Euro 2020 final. We didn't get over the line, which is just so disappointing. And I just want to see Spurs and England lift trophies. So, you know, fingers crossed for England. But, um, you know, there's there's quite a few countries that, that, that could do it this year. So it'd be an interesting tournament. And, uh, you know, certainly with the injuries and certainly with the heat as well, uh, there's a lot there's a lot to do with it. Um, the fullback issue, I think that might cost them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James, Darmish, James, yeah. Last question for you. If if I was asked you to predict how many players that Spurs will sign in the January window, what would you go with? Two. Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 and I, want, it, and I want it to be two players that walk straight into the starting 11 and improve us because... Yeah. In my opinion, I think if we had two uh, fullbacks, take like a, a Carl Walker at peak, uh, a Danny Rose at peak in this team, I think we'd be incredible. Uh, the first half performances would be completely different. Mm. And, uh, you know, we would be challenging um, up there, certainly under Antonio Conte. Um, Darmesh, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you back on. And uh, I'd love to have you back on during the January transfer window if you come back. I'll have a little bit more information then. <laughs> well Darmish thanks so much and uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media if they don't already do so yeah I'm just on Twitter I haven't made the jump to Instagram yet so it's at Sky Sports underscore chef but uh, don't at me with any abuse after this this uh, episode thanks there's been no abuse all, all the Spurs fans <laughs> love you and you're, you're uh, everything you said <laughs> <laughs> Darmish, thanks so much and, and thanks for watching everybody um, if you don't subscribe to the channel yet please do hit that subscribe button and if you're listening to this on an audio platform please do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can and I'll see you on the next one until then come on you Spurs
Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.